My text this morning will will start out in Hebrews chapter 1, if you want to turn there with me. As I was preparing this message, I was reminded of a little story I'm sure most of you've heard. Two men, two women, woman, man, however you want to tell it, it doesn't change the the beauty of the story. But uh, upon hearing someone proclaim, clearly proclaim the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, one looked at the other and said, what a sermon. And the other fellow with tears in his eyes and a smile on his face said, what a savior. Now what made the difference? I guess the question should be who made the difference? God made the difference. God made the difference. The desire of every gospel preacher, I believe I can speak for Darvin and Gabe and your pastor Mike, is that when sinners hear them preach, they wouldn't just hear a sermon, but they'd hear the message of Christ, the message of Christ and him crucified. To, to hear just me or Gabe this morning won't profit you anything, but to hear of him sure will. And it takes a supernatural revelation from God. And uh, the writer of Hebrews seems to understand that blessed truth very well. This letter to the Hebrews begins with the most important thing that you, me, or any sinner could ever hear. The thing that we need most in this life. We got to hear God speak. If we never effectually hear from God, we'll die in our sin. Now, verse one says, "God, who at sundry times and in divers manners spake." God spoke. He spoke in times past unto the fathers by the prophets. And the writer of Hebrews begins this an epistle with an account of the declaration and revelation that God had made in former times. And the author of this divine revelation is God himself. God, who at sundry times and in divers ways spake. And that's what divine revelation is. It just simply means that God, the divine one, reveals his message to sinners. He reveals this message to sinners. That's what divine revelation is. It's God speaking. It's God teaching. It says those that know God are taught of God. God's the teacher. God the Holy Spirit. It's God revealing to us the divine truths concerning himself and us. And we're told that in times past, speaking of the times from Adam until the times of our Lord Jesus Christ, 
God spoke in various times and in different, that's what divers means, different manners to all our forefathers. So how did God speak? By the prophets. God raised up prophets. God raised up men to speak his word. God's prophets were his messengers. And they brought a message to fallen sinners. And it was a word from God. Sometimes it was a specific and a personal direction. Just like God told Moses and Aaron in the book of Exodus, chapter 5, verse 1, he said, Tell Pharaoh, thus saith the Lord. Thus saith the Lord God of Israel, let my people go. God would have Pharaoh to know that this message wasn't from Moses. This message wasn't from Aaron, but it was a message from him. A message from God. And that's what we've got to have. We've got to have a message from God. Not a message from men, not a message from preachers. Surely not a message from harlings who care nothing about God's sheep or have any real concern for them. We need a message from God. It has to come from him. Now in the very next verse of Exodus chapter 5, the first thing out of Pharaoh's mouth was, Who is the Lord? Who is the Lord that I should obey his voice to let Israel go? This message from the Lord was the most foolish thing that Pharaoh ever heard. And he, he betrays that with his own word. Who, who is the Lord? Can, I can just hear him, can't you? Who is the Lord that I should obey him? You're going to find out. You're going to find out. It wouldn't be long before he found out who the Lord was. And every single Man, woman, boy, and girl who doesn't know God is going to find out real soon who he is. Pharaoh said, I, I know not the Lord, and I'm not going to let Israel go. Now, hear me when I say you can claim not to know God, you can claim not to believe God, and you can determine in your heart not to obey God. But you're going to do what God says you're going to do. Did Pharaoh let God's people go? He sure did. He didn't at first, he, but he did eventually, and it was all for the glory of God. The message to Pharaoh was a message from God. That's what I'm trying to get across. And you can't ignore him without consequence. In times past... Sometimes God gave his prophets dreams. Sometimes he gave them visions. Sometimes he just simply divinely influenced the minds of his prophets. But when they came with this message, they came saying, Thus saith the Lord. Because it was his message. Sometimes God spoke to a whole nation. Just like he did Elijah through Elijah that day on Mount Carmel. He said, how long will you halt between two opinions? If, 
If the Lord be God, worship him. If Baal be God, worship him. Sometimes he speaks to whole nations. And other times, God sends his prophet to one man like he did David. Nathan came to David when, to reveal his great sin. But when God's prophets come, when they came, whether it was to many or whether it was just to one, they always came saying, thus saith the Lord. Why? Because they were speaking for God. And that's what I want to do. I don't want you to hear from me this morning. Gabe doesn't want you to hear from him. We want you to hear from God. This message is not for me. This is what God says. Will you hear what God says? God's going to deliver this message through a man. He always has. It pleases God by the foolishness of preaching to save those that believe. God in times past spoke through the prophets. Now look at verse 2. The writer of Hebrews is still talking about God speaking. But he tells us that God now only speaks to us one way. You remember what we talked about Friday night? One way. The singleness, the oneness of the things of God. How does God speak to us now? <laughs> we need to know how. If we're ever going to truly hear from him. Hath in these last days spoken unto us by his Son. God speaks to us now by his Son. If you and I are going to hear from God, it's going to be by, in, and through his Son. Read on. God hath in these last days spoken unto us by his Son, whom he hath appointed heir of all things, and by whom also he hath made the world. You know what the writer's telling us here? This Son is somebody. He's somebody. He's somebody. So much so that God appointed him to be heir over all things. So much so that God through Jesus Christ, made the worlds. He's somebody. Paul wrote in Colossians 1, he said, For by him were all things created. He created everything that are in heaven, that are in earth, visible or invisible. Whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created by him and for him. And when we read and when we study the scriptures, may we always remember what we're reading is, thus saith the Lord. This is his word. This is his book. Did you know that the phrase, I found this interesting, thus saith the Lord, is used 413 times in the scripture, and all 413 times it's used in the Old Testament. Not one time in the New Testament does it say, thus saith the Lord. You know why? Because God in these last days has spoken to us through his son. He's spoken to us through his son. The beloved John is said this then is the message there's only one it's the message we've heard of, of him 
Speaking of the gospel of God to which Paul was called, he wrote in Romans chapter 1 verse 30, 23, the gospel which God hath promised afore by his prophets in the holy scriptures concerning his son, Jesus Christ. This book's about him. From Genesis to Revelation, it's a book about the Lord Jesus Christ. It's become a little cliche now, but the first time I heard it, I thought, I like that. But this is a hymn book. This is a hymn book, H-Y-M-N. This is a hymn book, H-I-M. It's a hymn book. It's about him. Revelation, everybody says, oh, what about Revelation? It's a revelation of Jesus Christ. That's what it says right there in your Bible. God in these last days in which we live, God in these last days speaks to us by his Son whom he hath appointed heir of all things, by whom he also made the world. Verse 3, who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person and upholding all things by the word of his power. Now, do you hear what the apostle is telling us here? The brightness of his glory. The express image of his person. Upholding all things by the word of his power. He's telling us that Jesus Christ is God. He's God. Jesus Christ is the brightness of God's glory. He's the express image of God's person. Philip said one day, and it's recorded in John 14, he said, Show us the Father. Show us the Father, and it shall suffice us. We'll be content if you show us the Father. And the Lord Jesus said, Philip, I've been with you such a long time that thou hast not known me. You see, didn't Philip know the Lord Jesus Christ? Not as God, he didn't. Not at that point in time. I remember one time Cody Groover in Mexico told me that a young girl came to him and asked him to baptize her. And being a little concerned about her age, he said, honey, why do you want to be baptized? And she said, because I've seen that Jesus Christ is God. I say, get her in the water. She's seen what a lot of people haven't seen. She's seen what the Pope hasn't seen. Jesus Christ is God. The Lord Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. I and my Father are one. In other words, he's God. Read on, verse 3. Jesus Christ, who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person, upholding all things by the word of his power, when he had by himself purged our sins, sat down on the right hand of the majesty on high. That's the message. That's the message right there. That's God's message to you. That's God's message to me. That's God's message to every sinner. If sinners are going to be saved, it's going to be this way and this way only. Jesus Christ hath by himself purged his people's sins. And he sat down. He sat down. Because it's finished. The work's done. 
the sinner's salvation, the chosen sinner's salvation is accomplished. And that's God's message. That's God's gospel. Jesus Christ, God in the flesh. You want to see how, you want to know something about how great your sin is? It took God's blood to cleanse you. God's. This God-man, all God and all man, not 50-50, all God and all man, the one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus, put away the sins of his people. And when God puts away your sin, they're put away, and they're put away forever. Turn over to Matthew chapter 1 with me. Matthew chapter 1, very you know the scripture, but let's look at it. Verse 21, Matthew 1, 21. The angel of the Lord appears unto Joseph, and speaking of Mary, he says, And she shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save. His people from their sin. Notice carefully verse 22. Now all of this was done that it might be fulfilled which was spoken of the, of the Lord by the prophet. How, does God, how did God speak in former times? By his prophet. Saying, behold a virgin shall be with child and she shall bring forth a son and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted is what? God with us. God with us. And that was God's message by the prophets in the Old Testament. And that's God's message now. He shall save his people from their sin. Not he might. Not he wants to. Not he's trying to. He shall save his people from their sin. And that was God's exact message in the Old Testament, and that's God's message now. God the Father in these last days speaks to us by his Son. God speaks to us through his Word. Now, you know John 1.1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Jesus Christ is God, and God, and Jesus Christ is the Word, right? Isn't that what John 1 1 says? In the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, the Word was God. Jesus Christ is the Word. God speaks to us through this Word. Now He speaks to us through this Word. God's servants preach His Word. It's it pleases God by the foolishness of preaching to save those that believe. That's why, that's why we preach. That's how God saves sinners. Now listen, if you're lost, if you're without God, without hope, without Christ in this world, God's going to, only, the only way God saves sinners is through the preaching of this word. Men say, well, you know, I was out on my, I was out in the woods, or I was out in my boat, and God saved me. No, he didn't. 
Unless you had a preacher in the boat preaching to you, he did. Because God saves sinners by the foolishness of preaching. And why does he call it foolishness? Well, I used to think it was because he used fools like me to preach it, but the truth of the matter is it's what the world considers foolish. The world considers these things foolishness. Paul tells us in the same chapter, 1 Corinthians, where he tells us that God saves us by the foolishness of preaching. He said, for the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness. That's why it's called foolishness. But unto them which are saved, it's the power of God. It's the power of God. He said, but God hath chosen the foolish things of this world to confound the wise. Those of this world who think they're wise, they consider these things that you hold dear, foolishness. And God hath chosen the weak things of the world to confound the things which are mighty. God's message to the wise of this world is foolishness, and to the mighty of this world it's considered weak. But to those who are saved, it's God's power. It's the power of God. And you tell folks who and what your only hope of salvation is. You tell somebody, and I have. I'm telling you, I, I'm, I've heard this with my own ears. You say, my only hope is Jesus Christ and him crucified. And I had a man tell me one time, he said, that's weak. It may be to you, but to me, it's the power of God. It's the very thing that saved this sinner's soul. And I just wonder if we could sit down now, Mike, with Pharaoh and ask him, you used to consider that message weak and foolish? Paul said, for the scripture, the word, God, the son, saith unto Pharaoh, thus saith the Lord, Pharaoh, even for this same purpose have I raised thee up, that I might show my power in thee, and that my name might be declared throughout all the earth. Do you think it's foolish and weak now, Pharaoh? <laughs> hmm. Oh, we live in a religious world, don't we? Hmm. People claim to get saved all kinds of ways. Anymore, it seems that people think that... Uh, they're saved by an experience instead of by the power of God. And that being through the preaching of the gospel. Men and women trust in experience. They're looking for an experience. A certain man couldn't pay his bills. And somebody comes up to me and says, God told me to give you this money. And uh, he gets all emotional and he gets saved. Well, he got emotional, but he didn't get saved. Mm -mm. A woman's in a car accident. The car's totaled, and in all practicality, she should have been killed. But God spared her, and she got saved. Well, he may, she may have, God may have spared her from the accident, but that doesn't mean that God spared her from the penalty of her sin. A drug addict overdoses, and somebody calls 911, and they resuscitate him, and he comes to, and he tells his family that he saw Jesus. Experience. He may have seen something, but it certainly wasn't Jesus. You don't get saved. God saves sinners. 
You don't get saved. God saves you. You see, there's one thing missing in all this experience stuff. And you know what it is? Thus saith the Lord. Thus saith the Lord. Where's the message from God? God spoke in times past by his prophets, but hath in these last days spoken unto us by his son. You're in Matthew chapter 1. Turn over to Matthew chapter 5. <clears throat> Matthew chapter 5. Look at uh, verse 21. The Lord Jesus here is speaking. And he says, you have heard that it was said by them of old time. That's speaking of the prophets. You've heard that it was said by them of old, thou shalt not kill. And whosoever shall kill shall be in danger of the judgment. But look at verse 22. But I say unto you, <laughs> I say unto you, God speaks to us now through his son. He said, I say unto you that whosoever is angry with his brother without a cause shall be in danger of the judgment. Look down at verse 27. You have heard that it was said by them of old time, thou shalt not commit adultery. Verse 28, but I say unto you, that whosoever looketh on a woman to lust after her hath committed adultery with her already. Where? In his heart. In his heart. The Old Testament was a covenant of works. It was a, a covenant of outward doing. But not anymore. The new covenant is a heart matter. It's an inward work done by God. Look at verse 31. And it hath been said, Whosoever shall put away his wife, let him give her a writing of divorcement. But I say unto you, that whosoever shall put away his wife, saving for the cause of fornication, causeth her to commit adultery. And whosoever shall marry her that is divorced, committeth adultery. Why? Because marriage before God is a matter of the heart. Look at verse 33. And again, ye have heard that it hath been said by them of old. Thou shalt not forswear thyself, but shalt perform unto the Lord thine oaths. But I say unto you, swear not at all, neither by heaven, for it's God's throne. Why? Because it's not about swearing and promising to keep this oath and this commandment uh, or that one, for that matter. Do this, don't do that. It's not about that anymore. This is a covenant of grace, and it's a matter of the heart. That's what I want you to see. It's a matter of the heart. Verse 38, and you've heard that it hath been said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I say unto you that you resist not evil, but whosoever shall smite thee on thy right cheek, turn to him the other also. Why? Because under the Old Testament law, God was teaching us something about his holy justice. An eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. What you sow is what you reap. But in the New Testament, this testament of grace, 
It's all about mercy. It's all about forgiveness. Do you see that? It's all about a work of grace that God does in sinners' hearts. Verse 43, you've heard that it hath been said, Thou shalt love thy neighbor and hate thine enemy. But I say unto you, love your enemies, bless them that curse you, do good to them that hate you, and pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you. Why? Because God looks upon the heart. It's all about love to the unlovable. It's all about blessing to those who don't deserve blessings. I don't deserve God's love. And neither do you. But that's what grace is. It's unmerited. It's undeserved. It's all about doing good to them who hate you and praying for those who use you despitefully and persecute you. It's all about forgiving others even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you. It's all about an inward work of grace that God has done in sinners' hearts. Lord, teach me that. Really teach me that. Now, with all that said, let me give you one last thing that thus saith the Lord. Turn over just a few pages to Matthew chapter 15, and I'll wrap this up. Matthew chapter 15. And while you're turning there, let me read one other passage to you out of Isaiah 29. In, 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 t- in times past, God spoke to us by his prophets. Isaiah was a prophet of God. And he said in Isaiah chapter 29, verse 13, let me read this to you. Wherefore the Lord said, thus saith the Lord, for as much as this people draw near me with their mouth and with their lips do honor me, but have removed their heart far from me. And their fear toward me is taught by the precept of men. You know, uh, that's what we have today. We've got men teaching after the precept of men and not after the precept of God. But in these last days, God has spoken to us by his son. Matthew chapter 15, look at verse 7. Ye hypocrites, well did Isaiah prophesy of you, saying, This people draweth nigh unto me with their mouth, and they honoreth honoreth me with their lips, but their heart far from me. But in vain they do worship me, teaching for doctrines the commandments of men. The message hadn't changed, has it, in that respect? That's what's wrong in our day. People are worshiping God in vain. You read it. The Lord Jesus said, you know not what you worship. People are worshiping today. They don't have, not, they have any clue what they're worshiping. As you're not worshiping God, Religion is teaching for doctrine the commandments of men and not the commandments of God. And look at verse uh, 10. And he called the multitude and he said unto them, 
Thus saith the Lord, he says, hear and understand. Oh, God, help me to hear and understand. He said, not that which goeth into the mouth defileth the man, but that which cometh out of the mouth. This defileth, this defileth the man. What defiles men and women? That which comes from the heart. Thus saith the Lord. God saw the wickedness of man was great in the earth and that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. Genesis 6, 5. And it repented the Lord. You know, I, that's just amazing to me. It repented the Lord that he'd made man on the earth and the, and the scriptures, it grieved him at his heart. God has a heart. It grieved him at his heart. Men say, give Jesus your heart. Your heart grieves God. Your heart grieves God's heart. He doesn't want that wicked thing, does he? Oh, I sure don't want to offer him my heart. I'm going to offer him his son. That's all I have. That's the only thing he accepts. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? God knows it, and he doesn't want it. The heart of which God speaks is not that organ that pumps blood to the rest of our body. The heart God speaks of is the center being of a, a man and a woman. Their, their feelings, their desires, their passions, their thoughts, their understanding, and their will. That inward place that God looks upon. And religion will tell you that you need to get your heart right. The gospel is you can't. You can't. God's got to give you a new one. And that's what he says. Thus saith the Lord, a new heart. A new heart will I give you. That's what God said. And a new spirit will I put within you. And I'll take away that stony, wicked heart of your flesh. And I'll give you a heart of flesh. A heart that beats and pants after God. That's what we need. May God give it to you. All right, brother. Thank you again.